to Behind the Crime. We're your hosts, Rebecca Wood. And Ella Calora. And, and this is our third, third episode. Third episode, yep. Yep. Um, today we're going to be talking about some extraterrestrial... Supernatural yeah, cases. cases. That's the theme for this week's episode. So, um, by the time you're hearing this, we have two episodes out. Yes. Um, so go listen to those if you haven't already after mm-hmm. you listen to this, or if you want to pause and go listen to those first, that would also be great. Follow us on Instagram at behind underscore the crime. Yeah, we are posting and active on our story. So go follow that for updates and mm-hmm. other fun information that we'll be posting about cases on there. Yeah, we're going to be very active on it. Yeah. All right. You're starting this week. Okay. So the case I'm talking about is the case of Jeanette De Palma. She was, I'm just going to give her a little background. She was lived in, grew up in Springfield, New Jersey, which is Union County. She was born on August 3rd, 1956. And she grew up in a devout Christian household. And the town has a very low crime rate. But she disappeared at age 16 on August 7th. She told her mother she was going to go visit a friend and she was taking the train, but she never arrived at her friend's house and never returned home. Okay. Um, And this happened um, in 1972. So her parents immediately reported her as a missing person. And when she never called to say that she arrived and then she never returned home. So they're like, okay, something has to be wrong because she's not where she's supposed to be and she's not here absolutely so that happened on august 7th and she was there was no trace of her until september 19th on september 19th her body was found when a dog returned from his walk with an arm in his mouth so he found her body and then immediately police and bloodhounds searched the area to find her and they found her in the hoodale quarry and a specific area of the quarry that was known as the devil's teeth to the locals. Oh. There was a lot fueling the supernatural elements to this case. Um, this So she was found um, how long after she went missing? Um, she disappeared August 7th and wasn't found till September, or September 19th, so a little over a month. Okay. I want to say six weeks. So... When she was found, it was reported that she was surrounded by wooden crosses and logs that formed a coffin shape around her, and that there was a pentagram and other occult imagery found in the makeshift coffin, as well as a halo of five stones. At first, they did not know who it was. Dental records confirmed who it was, and the media had a field day because of the symbolism that was found. Yeah. Um, Also, during the time period, there was a lot going on such as the manson murders as well as the satanic bible being published and rosemary's baby satanism and the occult was a hot topic which is why it was so rampant Mm -hmm. in the media so initially the police also believed that her death was tied to the occult because of the family's strong faith what religious background did they have i don't know specifics i just know they were christian okay it didn't say anything specific anywhere okay um and how old was she? She was 16. Oh. Okay. But yeah, she was, so she was old enough to like be going somewhere by herself, 
but not, you know, she was still a kid. Yeah, she was still a kid. Mm. Yeah. Um, and also what added to the supernatural element was there was the watching reservation used nearby, and a lot of pagans apparently were using it for naturalistic faiths and rituals, and police were convinced that there was a connection and even brought in a witch to help them investigate. That's so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so media deemed it a satanic sacrifice, specifically teenage Satan worshippers or a coven of witches. I don't mm. know why they had to think it was specifically teenage yeah, Satan worshippers, because I don't know what evidence pointed that they were teenage, yeah, you know? Like, I would like to know how they got specifically to a group of teenage Satanists or yeah. whatever they called them. Um. And unfortunately, people in the community were also adding to this belief that it was Satanism. The mm -hmm. New York Daily News... Just fueling the fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, they interviewed... The New York Daily News interviewed Reverend James Tate, and he said that Devil's Disciples killed Jeanette when she tried to spread the good word about Jesus Christ. And this is a quote. She was so religious that she would often talk to her friends and acquaintances about God. Another quote by him was, when the heathens were lectured about the power of Christ, their fantasticism rose and they killed her. So he really spoke just as if he really knew what happened, mm -hmm. you know, which he didn't, obviously. Yeah. So but obviously not everybody was convinced that it was some satanic ritual. Yeah. Um, other, there were like two other theories at the time. De Palma was... According to some people, a recovering addict, and their theory is that she was with friends at a little party, and she overdosed, and her friends dumped her body and positioned her that way so they had someone to frame. Mm -hmm. Then the other th um, theory is that she was a victim of a random crime by the same man who killed a girl named Marianne Pryor and a girl named Lorraine Keller. They were found in similar wooded locations like De Palma was, okay. and they had never found their killer. So they were like, oh, it could be the same person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For a while, the case died down um, until Weird NJ, which was a magazine at the time and is now a, a website. Okay. They reported on it after they received letters giving exclusive details. Um, editor Mark Moran and writer Jesse Pollock began writing a book called Death on the Devil's Teeth. In the book, they reveal research that led to new subjects, cover-up evidence, and connections to other unsolved murders. Wow. Yeah. Um, so they asked police for files related to the case, but they were told that most of the evidence was destroyed by Hurricane Floyd in 1999. Ed Salzano runs the Justice for Jeanette De Palma Facebook page, and he sued the county to obtain DNA evidence in February of 2021. I don't know if that was successful or not, but Pollock and Moran received case files finally in 2021 under the New Jersey Open Public Records Act and the Freedom of Information Act. Mm -hmm. So they found out that the police were lying about the hurricane damage. That's Because insane. if they were all supposedly destroyed, how did they suddenly, now that they had to do it, how did they suddenly have all these files that supposedly weren't there? Yeah. And was it just files? I mean... Uh, it probably wasn't just files on this case. It was, like, a bunch of case files that they said were gone because of the hurricane. 
I don't know if they said that, but I know when people requested the files, they said they're gone. They got destroyed. On this case. Yeah, I'm sure they said that they lost a bunch of files. Yeah, okay. Uh, So in the files, there were crime scene photos that were previously known to be missing. So another lie. There was also no evidence of occult activity, animal sacrifice, or any other satanic nature in the photos. So whoever said that there were crosses and it was shaped like a coffin. That was all untrue. Or is it a cover-up? That's kind of where there's still a lot of... Pictures. Okay, that's There's a lot of, like, Mm -hmm. did they just want to cover it up? You know, because that's a very taboo topic. Who who said that there were crosses and satanic stuff? Police said it. Okay, so police said that, and then they basically went back on their word and... yeah well the police believe strongly enough that it was something to do with satan worshipers to bring in a witch but suddenly when they get the files there's no evidence of that also files that they've been hiding and lying about why were they hiding the files exactly they also found out in the files that her necklace which was a cross necklace and her purse was stolen so that's possible motive Mm mm-hmm like, maybe somebody yeah. just wanted to steal from her and, you know, yeah. killed her as a result. Mm-hmm. So the theory in the book that the two of them wrote is that the logs were just branches that fell and resembled a rough rectangle. I saw um, the images. Yeah. They they don't look like a coffin. They're just a, a rectangle around her. Because oh, so they, like, just happened to fall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. The theory of overdosing at a party spot with her friends who fled out of fear was also disproven because in the photos you can see very clearly that the area is way too overgrown and there's no way it was a party spot like people were saying and there were also no remnants of any evidence of a party okay at the scene like there was nothing to indicate there were other people there Mm -hmm. like i said her purse was stolen but the contents of her purse were noted in the files that were like they were dumped eight feet south of her so okay. the contents were tissues, a Vicks inhaler, a small compact, lipstick, a comb, a key on a ring, an eyeshadow palette, and a medicine bottle, which according to her mom was cold medicine because she had a cold that day, mm-hmm. which would also explain the tissues and the Vicks inhaler. Um, so even though they noted the contents of her purse, they were never recovered. The police oh. don't have these items. So, okay. Yeah. It's very odd yeah how the what what went on with the evidence um so the only things that were missing from her purse was her wallet and the money and also her cross necklace was missing from her Mm. and they never recovered the purse or necklace they never found it anywhere Mm. but they also never recovered those items so it's just why would you leave them there yeah like why wouldn't like that's that's evidence regardless of if you can actually get anything from it or not you shouldn't like you don't throw that out you Mm -hmm. know yeah so unfortunately her cause of death is still unknown Mm. they have no idea how she died but there was in the autopsy report very high levels of lead in her system and some people spectate that lead knives are often used in satanic rituals but they're also there's no stab wounds not that we know of. Not that was reported. Not okay. that was reported. 
Because, mm-hmm. but if there were stab wounds, you'd be able to assume that was the cause of death. But they just truly don't know what did it at all. They they don't know how she died. They never proved it was an overdose. They never proved hypothermia. They have no idea. And the case is now cold, but people are still trying to find out. Like that, like Ed Salzano, who runs the Facebook page Justice Mm -hmm. for Jeanette De Palma. Um, and on Weird and Jay, they have a lot of anonymous statements. They also noted that nobody was willing to give their names when they gave these statements. One said, she was a religious girl, but I think her parents forced her to go to church. She was kind of a little bit of a wild girl. Someone else said, I too forgot about the death of Jeanette De Palma, but I can never forget all the weird stuff that happened in Summit, Mountainside, Springfield, and for me, the majority of it in the watching reservation. Mm-hmm. Now that I think back on it, it would make sense that Springfield would never would cover up the murder so as not to tarnish the reputation of the town. I know that the sacrifice that my friends saw was never reported or was in the newspaper, but I remember, and I sure as hell know they do too. So this person grew up in the town around the time period and saw a bunch of other satanic rituals and a sacrifice supposedly that I guess they reported but was never, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, kept quiet. Yeah. One other person said that they found arrows carved into the trees that led you to the body. The location was high up on a cliff. All around her body were dead animals tied to trees with string and some in jars. Shortly thereafter, there were reports of animals being mutilated and hung in the same fashion in the Wachung Reservation, which is also very close to the scene of the crime. Mm. The Wachung Reservation, or the Res, has been reported to be the center of devil worship activity for years. Well, people have probably just fed into that since of course. her death. They probably think it's some funny joke now. Yeah, there are a lot of people who say that, like, there are a lot of reports that there were arrows carved directing you to her body, mm. which some people say it was the killer showing remorse, but others... That could... That's a good possibility. Yeah, that's that w- was why people thought it was that she overdosed and she was with friends and they didn't they felt bad just leaving her but they didn't want to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then there's also the people in the town who think it's a big cover up by the town because of how you know they were very suspicious about yeah handing over the files and discussing it and how can you go from adamantly believing it was Satanists and even bringing in a witch to help you. To then saying, no, it wasn't that. We just don't know anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel extremely bad for her family. Yeah. Because they have absolutely no co- closure. Yeah. That's they, d- they don't even know how she died. That's the hardest thing. When yeah. there's absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's not only do you not know who did it, which is bad enough on its own. You don't even know how. Mm-hmm. So all you know is she's just suddenly dead Mm -hmm. and there's all this controversy around it and suspicion and different theories. And, you know, people kind of dragging her name through the mud Mm -hmm. saying, oh, she was a wild child. She was 16. She was being a 16 year old. All teenagers are wild and difficult. Like you can't. But there's no like it's not like she has any criminal record. She wasn't doing anything crazy. You know what I mean? And also. I don't think the recovering addict thing is true Mm -hmm. because it's just anonymous people saying that. It's not actually her family or police saying that. And if that was true, there'd probably be some record. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
yeah, I just hope they can find out what happened mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. But it's yeah. But it just been so mishandled mm-hmm. by the media and as well as by the police. Yeah. Um Wow. And by the town, honestly, because people, instead of actually being helpful and trying to find out what happened, they're just spewing their own opinions and thoughts. Yeah, they're yeah. like, well, she went to church, but I don't think she wanted to. That's not helpful. It's not, a, like, it's just completely unnecessary. Yeah. And that reverend, what he said, it just, he spoke as if he, he spoke as if it was sh- the truth, and he doesn't, doesn't truly know that, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think that ends my case. All right, so mine is kind of similar. So mine is the case of Brandon Swanson. Um, He went missing on May 14th, 2008 in Potter, Minnesota, uh, and he has still not been found. He's been missing for 14 years. So at the time, he was 19 years old. He had just finished his first year of college, Um, so I'll just get into the night that it happened. This is kind of a shorter case because there isn't a whole lot of details. Um, at the end I'm going to give some of the theories, but they're all just theories. Nothing has been proven. So, Mm. um, on May 14th, 2008 at 1.15 a.m., Brandon was driving back home in his car from a party because he was celebrating the end of the spring semester with a bunch of friends and he was driving back home and he crashed his car into a ditch. Uh, He got out of the car uninjured and he started trying to call his friends to come help him get his car out. None of them were answering so then he called his parents at 1.54 a.m. and He was unsure of his exact location. He told his parents approximately where he was. He said that he was at Lind Road or by the, uh, by like the, they have like, it was separate communities. So by the community of like Lind or town of Lind. Um, So his parents got in their car and drove to pick him up. Uh, They got to the place where he said he was and he was not there. And they were still on the cell phone with him, Mm -hmm. and he said that he could see lights down the road, and he thought that it was the town of Lind, and his parents were at the town, and they didn't see his car anywhere, and they were all flashing their headlights trying Mm -hmm. to find each other. Um, So he started walking towards the lights, and instead of taking the main road, he decided to cut through fields, like in the woods. Yeah. Um... And then he was still on the phone with his parents. So after 47 minutes of being on the phone with his parents, he exclaimed, oh, and then the line went dead and there was nothing. So his parents, after sitting on this line that was just like open, they hung up on him and tried to call back multiple times and there was no answer. They had to be so terrified. I know. So they kept trying to call him. They were driving around trying to find him. They were driving around until 6.30 in the morning trying to find him and trying to call him back. And eventually Mm -hmm. it just started going straight to voicemail. 
So at 6.30 a.m., they called the police and reported him missing. The police advised them to just wait and kind of chill out. They said that this behavior is typical for a young man his age, Mm. which I see this a lot in cases when, like, um, kids or teenagers, like, go missing. A lot of the times police are like, oh, it's typical for their age, which... They're not wrong, but it doesn't matter. Not the way he disappeared, though. No, because it it doesn't matter. If you're going to disappear from your parents or, like, you're going to run away, you're not going to be on the phone with them and end the call like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. Like, even if they are running away, you should – you need to take it seriously. Yeah. So um, later that morning slash afternoon – the police finally started to, like, look into it a little bit, and they pulled up his cell phone records, and it showed that he was near Porter, which was 25 miles from where he said he thought he was. Mm. So uh, then they started searching that area instead. And oh, what year did you say this happened again? 2008. Okay. So then they started searching that area, and they found his car in a ditch, and they said that it wasn't visible from the road, so even if he was flashing his lights, no they one would have would have But his parents weren't looking in that area. Yeah. Um, but they just uh, made that point that, like, no one would have seen him from the main road, but he said he had, he told his parents when he was on the phone with them that he went up on the main road and saw lights, but then he decided to take sh- a shortcut through the fields to get to the town. Mm. So, and it's unknown whether Brandon actually knew where he was and, like, lied to his parents or if he really didn't know where he was. So, foul play has not been ruled out, and this is where I'm going to kind of get into the theories now. So, foul play has not been ruled out, but it hasn't been proven It has also been proposed, and this is the strongest theory by police, that he fell into the Yellow Medicine River and drowned uh, because his car was found by this river. They never found a body, though. And the other weird thing that kind of disproves that is, well, they never found a body. They never found his cell phone, his keys, or any form of clothing. And... If he fell into the river, I mean, you don't, they never, like, you don't it's fall a silently, though. His parents yes, would have heard was, that water was the other something. weird thing because if a phone goes into the water, the line will cut out. Yeah. And the line didn't cut out. Um, at least that's what his parents said. Well, um, technology in 2008, that makes sense. You know, they weren't, wa- there weren't waterproof phones yet. Yeah. So, and, but even if, like, they were never able to find his body and, like, you know, he fell in this river with his phone and his keys and his clothes and, like, you know, sometimes they can't find bodies in (laughs) bodies of water or rivers or whatever, but the line didn't cut out. Mm -hmm. So they, that is why that's disproved because if the line didn't cut out, then it would have fell on the ground and the phone was never found. Mm -hmm. Um... Another theory is that he was kidnapped by someone, um, but then we don't know if he's dead, if they're still holding him hostage 14 years later. Mm. 
There's no sign of struggle anywhere in the surrounding area. There's no there's no sign of anything like struggle in his car or like around like the woods where his car was found and there has been multiple searches for like throughout the entire years they still do searches. Um people have proposed the idea of human trafficking that mm. someone um saw him and picked him up and that would explain why no cell phone or keys or clothes were ever found because they took it all with yeah, them. Yeah, and even if he wasn't hurt from accident, he was likely, you know, somewhat sedated, you know? Yeah, so the other theory, so he wore glasses, but his glasses were found in his car, and mm. right before he, his last words, oh, um, fill in the blank, he said, not another fence. Um, so... People believe that it's possible that he fell into an unmarked uh, well, which mm. weren't uncommon in rural era areas. So that's also another theory going. And then, of course, the theory of aliens, that he was abducted by aliens because mm -hmm. there's no there's no body, there's no cell phone, no, no keys, no trace at all. They did take dogs out there, and they were able to follow his trace for a little bit and a couple of the dogs did jump into the river but then they would jump back out and continue along the trail mm -hmm. so and then eventually they would lose the scent as um, if he just vanished into thin air yes that's crazy so those are all of the theories none of them have been proved none of them have been disproved necessarily this case though his parents were they successfully lobbied the state legislature to pass the Brandon's Law, which requires police to begin investigation of missing adults promptly. Good. Because just because you turn 18, that doesn't truly mean you're an adult who your parents don't still worry about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My sister's 24, and she still texts my parents when she gets somewhere so they know she's safe, you know? Yeah. Oh, I... There are... I missed two other theories. There's a lot of theories... Um, people also thought the possibility that he died of hypothermia because the temperature was 40 degrees that night, and mm. if he did fall into the water and get back out, but no body was found. Yeah. There would have been a body. Um, the other theory is that he orchestrated his own disappearance, but people have ruled this out because he was trying to call his friends he was trying to call his family just like you said mm -hmm. a few minutes ago <laughs> that's why um i kind of smiled at you because i was like oh she guessed it um so that's been ruled out because he was trying to call he was trying to be found if um, you're disappearing you're not calling somebody to come look for you you know not even to like try and cover it up if yeah. anything you'd leave a voicemail and be like or leave a text and be like oh i crashed my car i'm getting a ride home from somebody and i mean we can't fully rule that out because there's always the possibility that when he did call his parents, he was long gone. Mm -hmm. But it people have just ruled it out because he had called his friends and called his family, but they can't fully rule it out, That's obviously. also just a lot for a 19-year-old to do and still yeah, and not be seen. Yeah, and his parents said that he was happy. He had no issues because people also, like, proposed the idea that he had a mental breakdown, but his parents said that he sounded normal on the phone. Mm -hmm. um, they're still searching. 
they mm. still search in fall of 2021 everything dried up in that area and they did a full another search mm. no nothing no phone no keys no body no clothes no no nothing so it's an open case it hasn't they still do searches but other than that there's really nothing to it's go pretty off much a full case yeah and the longer it goes by just the harder it gets yeah so that's kind of a sad one yeah <laughs> i mean they're both ones. just no closure and like you were saying yeah with the no closure i feel like both of these are terrible because they don't know how they died i mean they don't even know that brandon died yeah, which is just awful. He could be alive, you know? Is that he that's the craziest part. Yeah. So hopefully one day these cases will be figured out. Yeah. At least partially just to give just you know, the some family some amount of closure. Of closure. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that ends our episode. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. We hope that you've been enjoying. Follow us on Instagram again at behind underscore the crime um we'll post another episode in about two weeks yeah and we're excited for you guys to listen to it yeah